Are politics poison? Are politicians? What if you locked yourself in a room with a political figure from a party that you don't support? What if you tried to actually connect, like really connect with this politician? Could you do it? Could you even potentially learn something? Could you even potentially, like this is a long shot, but what if, what if you left the room feeling like you could support this politician? Sound like science fiction, especially in today's world? Well, welcome to this highly political, very special episode of the People People Podcast. Welcome to the People People Podcast. We're on a mission to spread human connection. So look, if you really want to make a difference for the party, make a difference for people, go talk to your 20 neighbors on your block. Yes. And not, not the ones you know are Republicans, not your friends. Talk to the people that you've never that you've probably lived next to for 20 years and yes. maybe you've spoken to two or three times. Yeah. You know, go knock on their door and just talk to them and see what they're about. You yeah. know, see where they work, see yeah. if they have kids, you know, and just try to understand like who they are, where they're coming from. You know, you, you need to start talking politics if you'd like, but that's that's where you make that connection. That's what people remember. That voice you hear is State Representative Colin Larson, a state congressman from Colorado representing House District 22. That's where I happen to live, by the way. Oh, and I'm your host, Matt Matson. Uh, you may know that this podcast, the People People Podcast, isn't really about politics. It's about human connection and people living their life in pursuit of social excellence. But this episode honors the fact that politics are currently creating a frightening state of human disconnection in our society. Is it even possible anymore to honestly connect with people from different political parties? Is it possible to do so and involve politics in the conversation? That was the experiment I wanted to dive into during this episode. I'm excited to hear what you think. Spoiler alert, this gets pretty real toward the end. Uh, Colin Larson isn't just a politician. He's also a coffee shop owner. He opened Atlas Coffee in the Ken Carroll area of Littleton, Colorado, about five years ago. And we talk about the connection between running that small business and governing. He's also a husband, a father, and wait for it, a Republican. As a longtime Democratic voter myself and a proud progressive, uh, let's see how this conversation shakes out. That's one of the interesting parts about obviously shifting my career for politics, which, yeah. which was something that I was interested in and obviously did even before I did the coffee shop. But, you know, I miss it's, they're similar in many ways, actually, surprisingly, but I miss like that direct impact and the the day-to-day dealing with, and again, you don't have nearly as much ability to transform someone's life as I do in this position. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, you could see every single day, you know, you'd have some you know, high school kid coming in who's having a bad day, yeah. the kid... The, you know, parents who are stressed, yeah, who are coming in, and you know, generally, when you're getting a cup of coffee. Like, even if you're having a bad time, it's it's still like a couple of minutes where it's like, oh, this is something I enjoy. It's a pleasant experience, yeah. and you know, and then every once in a while, you get to you, know, you get to talk to a customer a little more in depth, yeah. and you know, figure out what what's going on. And there were kids that I you know helped mentor in high school about you know taking any more AP classes. That yeah. was my big thing. And I was an IB kid and I, yeah. I'm a huge fan of kids taking more advanced placement courses yeah. and pushing themselves. And I was like, Hey, look, you know, 
it's a lot cheaper to get an AP credit than it is to, you know, <laughs> yeah. take a semester worth of baby bio at yeah. college. Yeah. You know, you can either get it for free here or you can pay, you know, two, yeah. three grand for it at CU or some yeah. other private school. But it's that kind of that kind of stuff that that I miss. I don't really get to interact with people in that same way as I do here. Yeah. Because here it's it's mostly, you know, people who are involved in policy advocacy organizations and you know, lobbyists or, you know, occasionally constituents will come and I always make an effort to go and talk to them and, you know, take them on little quick tours if I can yeah. and, and get them down on the floor and all that. But again, I miss that, I miss that like daily opportunity to, you know, and again, I was selling them coffee, you know, it wasn't yeah. like I was doing their taxes, no. so, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or the dentist where, you know, the dentist probably has a different situation yeah. because people probably aren't happy about going yeah. to the dentist. No one's pissed off. They're going to get a That's cup right. of coffee, That's or, right. you yeah. know, or a scone. And for that or matter, something. they don't they don't show up at a coffee shop with an agenda or mm-hmm. with a, with some preconceived notion about what you believe and what if you're yeah. on their team or not, right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's no, something exactly. just neutral about I go into a coffee <laughs> yep, shop yep. and uh, we can have a conversation. Who knows where I'll go? Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I would always joke, even when because most of my my regular customers, your wife included, knew that you know I I had background in politics and knew that I was affiliated with the Republican politics. Yeah. And I was pretty open about it, but I would always joke. I was like, oh, my coffee's nonpartisan. Yeah, you know? like, it's not, yeah. I, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, your money spends the same and I, I'll have as much of it as you're willing to give That's me. That's exactly right. You know? <laughs> and again, it was just, just kind of that welcoming attitude of just, you know, and, and frankly, having that background, especially comparing it to some of the backgrounds that my, my colleagues have here. Yeah. And I've got a lot of great friends, both on my side of the aisle, but frankly, some of my best friends down here are, Democrats, yeah. having the background of, of having a retail coffee shop where, you know, I had plenty of customers that were on the far left end of the spectrum and yeah. plenty of customers on the far right spectrum and everything in between. Yeah. You know, being able to meet people where they're at, understand where they're coming from, maybe I don't agree with their politics, but but there's just a fundamental level of understanding and, and empathy, I'll call it. Yeah. That frankly, a lot of my colleagues who come from more traditional, what you would consider like a more traditional political upbringing, like a yeah. lawyer yeah. or teacher or someone who's worked in a political nonprofit yep. and then ended up getting elected, but where they've only dealt with, you know, people of their political affiliation working on their issue, yeah. where it's a totally, you know, insular world where everybody thinks the same way and has the same political beliefs. Then they get down here and suddenly have to deal with all these issues that are totally outside of their wheelhouse that they've never touched on. And then they have to talk to you know, people who don't agree with them, who have yeah. different, fundamentally different worldviews. And they, you can tell they, they have no idea how to do it, yeah. you know, because it's like, well, what do you mean? You're not, the, like the tenants of the Democratic Party aren't sacrosanct to you? Well, well, how am I supposed to function? You right. know, like, what, do you, what <laughs> yeah. do you mean you don't agree with this policy? And, and it's been interesting because, you know, I, I'm so malleable and so easy to, because I, I talk to those folks all the time. Yeah. And I was like, look, okay, yeah, we disagree on it. That doesn't mean I have to yell at you. It doesn't mean that you're an idiot. It just yeah. means that you have a, fundamentally different understanding of these issues and hopefully we can hash something out and worst case scenario i'm just gonna be like all right you know what we'll talk about something else yeah. i'll vote my way you vote your way and we'll circle back next yeah, time we'll circle so, back yeah. Next time, yeah. <laughs> i've been having this this faint thought that you know the political parties of the future are people who are willing to work together and people who aren't Right, yeah. like like, yeah. that's a, a, oh, look, like something hope. has to get done at some yeah, point, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's that's, that's got to be a part of the reality of the no, future, I mean, anyway. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the the worst part down here is 
there are issues that that will always have a partisan flavor yeah. that really are when you when you really boil them down to like like second amendment issues or pro life pro choice issues these are fundamentally different ways of understanding the world and, yeah. and frankly there's just not a there's not really ever going to be a common ground yeah but the reality is that most of the stuff we do down here and I'm talking 90% plus we agree on a on a common issue you know when it when it comes to like homelessness or drug addiction yeah. or, or all these big issues everyone agrees that there's an issue yeah so basically then we're just quibbling over how to solve it mm-hmm. and there's so much opportunity for people who are willing to sit down and accept the fact that hey you know what I'm a coffee shop owner I'm not necessarily an expert in, you know, how to solve drug addiction, yeah. how to solve homelessness. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have, you know, certain skepticism, certain policies, but I'm willing to sit down, listen to all the parties involved. Maybe I'll throw out some of the ideas, maybe I'll incorporate some. But there really are, there's so many opportunities for things like that, where yeah. there isn't a, a, there's a fundamental agreement that it's a problem that we want to address. Yeah. And then we can come together and do it. And, and there's some real opportunities for it that we're able to get done. I mean, my my legislative record, I joke, I passed, I think I passed more bills than any other freshman Republican. I Hey, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And more than, frankly, a lot of freshmen writ large, but because if you look at them, like they're all, they're all pretty narrowly tailored bills. They're, they're things like putting more money toward vocational programming mm. in schools. They're things like efficiencies for county government employees when they're accessing records. Mm. You know, things around sheriff's retirements and pensions, the Clean Indoor Air Act, which gets at the teen vaping crisis. But none of these things had a particularly partisan bent. They were all issues I like to think are important to the suburbs, important to people that live in my district. I feel like that's like a that's a small business owner's approach. Yeah, yeah. Like like I'm gonna local I'm gonna identify a local problem. Like like just what regular people a small business owner says, like, what's a problem that isn't being solved that people will pay for, right? Like same, but that people will vote yeah. for, or that, or that yeah. will actually just help them, and yeah. that's why they voted me in, <laughs> and that we can actually get done. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was that's I too. Because yeah. yeah, I sat there and I was like, because exactly with my business, like, yeah, I could sit there and daydream all day long about, oh, if I had, if I had a hundred thousand dollars that I could spend on, you know, aesthetic upgrades, yeah. like, sure, I'd buy that machine and I'd, you know, offer this product and I'd have staff on at this time and blah blah blah. But I'm tempered by reality because I was like, look, here's what my revenues are. You know, here's what I project them as. And unless unless investing in something has a realistic chance of of having a payoff, yeah. like I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. You know, because it's just not it's not real. Yeah. You know. And I can sit there and fantasize about it all I want, yeah. just like I could here with legislation, but it's not gonna happen. So and I, I fundamentally believe my the people that sent me down there, the eighty thousand people that voted for me, or didn't vote for me, but that I represent, yeah. sent me down here to actually accomplish stuff. Yeah. And you know what, if if that means, if what I can accomplish are these relatively small, narrow things that mean a lot to certain discrete groups of people and maybe isn't the earth shattering, you know, change the fundamental, you know, layout of the state. Yeah. But, you know, still makes life a lot better for people that are affected by these individual issues. Like, that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. I grew up in that, in the Ken Carroll community where yeah. my coffee shop is and there was a similar a similar coffee shop that I grew up with called CJ's that was, you know, that just foundational. Everyone that grew up in Ken Carroll knew what CJ's was. Yeah. And it was the place you had your first dates, you know, you'd study for your finals. Everyone had that connection, similar like like your wife. It was the yeah. place where the small business owners met and yeah. planned things and all that. And um it was just so 
it was such a, a sad thing when when the original shop shut down because Kinko really lost its it's one of the few things that made it unique. Yeah. And the suburbs, something that you know everyone kind of shared. And even if you only went to the shop a couple of times in your in your childhood, like you still would remember those because yeah. they were significant milestones. And and I was so happy when I was able to get Atlas opened up and and up and running and that it kind of filled that void for folks again, like you know, the small business owners, yeah. the kids, all that sort of stuff. And it's just so great, you know, that it's there. And then politics, which was my my first sort of love. That was what I majored in in politics yeah. uh, or in uh, college. And and um, I did move out to D.C. for a little while through the only three and a half years that I'd meaningfully, the only time I'd meaningfully ever spent away from Colorado. Yeah. And that was about enough for me to realize I wanted to come back. <laughs> but yeah. but still, so 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 did that. But then, you know, just coming back and and much like you were talking about with with the kind of dysfunctional state of our politics, you know, where people are so tribal and you lose sight of this. I actually talked quite a bit with, with the Democrat who ran against me, who's actually, he and I become pretty good friends at this point where to lose sight of the fact that, that these people you're running against, they may be a Democrat, maybe Republican, but you have so much more in common with them just by virtue of living in the same neighborhood. Yeah, you know? literally living in the yeah. same neighborhood, yeah. probably yeah. similar upbringing, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, precisely. And and that was my thing is, you know, there's this this prescribed set of issues and perhaps a philosophical approach to the world is different. But, you know, in terms of the schools, you know, the, the community assets that we utilize, the hiking trails, the pools, yeah. all of these things we have in common. We, we go to the same grocery stores, we go to the same coffee shops, all of this, we have these shared experiences. And yeah. And unfortunately, politics and 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 I think that's been going on, frankly, for a decade or so, where it's yeah. just been degradating. I can't put my finger on when it started, but people are just forgetting that they're part of this community, and it doesn't matter. I mean, you're a Republican, Democrat; these are useful for political purposes. But but at the end of the day, being from Ken Carroll means that you have a lot more in common with that person than you do with someone of the same political affiliation yeah. who lives across the state or in a different state. Yeah. Because you have that same community, and and that's what I try to focus on. That's where I try to bring my politics is is you know as much as possible. Focus on the commonalities. Focus on the things that that matter to the community, and not so much you know. And I'm not, and look, like I'm not trying to portray myself as some bipartisan savior. Because look, I mean, there were plenty of times when I, you know, we had party line votes on party line bills, and yeah. I have party line views on stuff. But there's so much that doesn't have to have a partisan tent yeah. to it. That's just about solving a problem and identifying it. And if we can set aside, you know, the preconceived notions and the and the party line on all this stuff, we can come together and and sometimes solve issues. Or even if we can't solve them, we can move the ball down a lot further than it already is. That's my other thing too, is just a general kind of outlook is I like to describe myself above all as, as like an incrementalist. Yeah. You know, most most big problems. There's not a simple solution. No. If there was a simple solution, it would have happened. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, but the way that meaningful change and, and meaningful solutions most of the time happen is, you know, it's it's a bunch of little bites at the apple and yeah. eventually, you know, you eat the whole thing. Yeah. But that's how I approach these things here is look, like we make a lot of small changes, we make some progress. Sometimes the progress, you know, went in the wrong direction. And the good thing is if you take small incremental approaches, then you're reining back a, a relatively minor problem yeah. rather than, oh, we passed this gigantic sweeping overhaul of an entire system that affects everyone in the state. Oh, and turns out it didn't have the consequences. You know, it didn't turn out the way we thought it was. Yeah. Now you got to claw back this 
giant disruptive policy that's that's hugely disrupted people's lives, which I just think that's the worst thing. I mean, you know, as a business owner, I'm fundamentally conservative, small small c conservative, and that like, look, I I value stability above everything else. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there may be something I don't like. It might be a huge tax increase coming down the pike that I would prefer not to have. But you know what? If I can plan for it and I know that it's going to be there and yeah. it's consistent, I can deal with it. Yeah. You know, the stuff that that really throws me for a loop is if I've got to worry that, oh, hey, they're going to set the tax rate at this tomorrow, but it might change the next month and I have no idea how to plan. I, there's no continuity. That's what disrupts, you know, business and that's what disrupts people's lives. Yeah. You know, it's it's things that are fundamentally, you know, damaging to their routine and the predictability. I think the uh, the idea of incrementalism as a philosophy that goes yeah. beyond politics, right? But a lot of what this podcast is about, and a lot of what I spend my time teaching is how can a regular person actually mm -hmm. make a meaningful impact on the world? How can yeah. how can I create the world, the community, the culture I crave? How do I how do I transform the world? How do I how do yeah. I matter, right? Yeah. And I think certainly if i just look at my social media feed uh, you know it, it seems as though folks are very impatient which who can blame them yeah but impatient for the big sweeping like fix it all at once yep. or yep. or i need i need the pendulum to swing all the way my way yep. which for some folks who maybe yeah. feel like they've they've lived in a, a, in a world that's been unjust toward them or yeah, yeah. like who can blame them yeah. right no exactly but there's this this reality of like what yeah but like what can we do? Like, what's actually yeah. in our control right now? Yep. Man, like you've got to take an incremental approach, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the alternative is, I think, what we saw. And again, this, you know, I don't mean to be political here, but you know, the, the way that I view it is, you know, the last two or three presidencies have been pretty wild swings and pretty much just rejections of their predecessors. That's exactly right. Yeah. And. Rather than rather than sort of building upon you know a direction that we we're going and and a course correction, it was more about a fundamental rejection of you know Obama's election was a fundamental rejection of, of Bush's politics yeah. and Trump's election was a fundamental rejection of Obama's politics, yeah. and and there was no sense of okay you know we want to build upon the continuity of what's come before and maybe change it in a different direction. This is a like we want to basically wipe the memory mm -hmm. of the past eight years off yeah. of the history books. Yeah. And the problem with that, you know, like I said, is that it's it's fundamentally alienating. It gets people riled up about issues that are oftentimes are important, but oftentimes aren't. Yeah. And it pits each other against each other and their and their neighbor against one another. And unfortunately, with the rise of social media, and I am uh, I'm probably the worst millennial out there because I am not a fan of social media yeah. whatsoever. You know, I maintain a Facebook account because, frankly, in politics, it's it's a necessity. Yeah. But you know, I'm not a I'm not a fan of posting. I'm, I'm certainly not a fan of commentary online. Yeah. You're not you're not changing policy with your <laughs> tweets. Every yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because again, it's it's amazing, and and I I saw this on the campaign was that. The stuff that people would say about one another or about even members of the other political party online is stuff that they would never say yeah. in person. Yeah. And I I knocked on, you know, just shy of ten thousand doors personally, yeah. like one on one and and had over three thousand conversations with individuals at the door. And these are folks, you know, I would go back and sometimes I would find their social media presences and 
overwhelmingly, I mean, we're talking more than 95% of my interactions were, I mean, just sweet, kind people. Yeah. Happy that, like, frankly, bowled over that that the actual representative came to their door, or yeah. at that point, the actual candidate. But just nice people, and and you know, sometimes we disagree on issues and and that sort of thing. But there was never any venom or yelling. Frankly, the only I had maybe two or three truly negative interactions, and that was just because they were angry that I didn't honor the no trespassing, no soliciting, yeah, the no yeah. soliciting. And <laughs> I tried to explain to them that I'm not selling anything, but yeah. that just wasn't no, going to no, happen. No. But but that was what they were upset over. Yeah. It wasn't over politics or anything like that. And but again, I would have some of these people where I'd go and talk to them, and they'd be. It'd be very nice and have these great interactions. And then sometimes I'd see their social media and just be like Dr. Jack and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. They would say these just disgusting things that you would never, never say to another human being yeah. to the to their face. Yeah. But for whatever reason, that that online, the power of anonymity or or just sitting behind a keyboard, you'll say these these things that are just hurtful. Yeah. And wrong and and all that sort of stuff and maybe it's a venting mechanism but the problem is now people are interacting face to face less and less that's right they're interacting online more and more and they have a there's different you know there's a different decorum and a different social expectation online there's yeah. there's no politeness there's no filter no in a ways you're removed from the consequence because you don't see the person that you're berating yeah you know you don't see them cry or or feel bad or get angry or yeah. anything like that or you, frankly, don't see their families. You don't see the child of the person who you've called an idiot right. or, or right. crossed or out, yeah. Yeah. who is wondering why somebody wants to kill their daddy That's or right. their mommy, you yeah. know, which is a very real thing. Yeah. There's this line that you heard at the beginning of this episode that I really want to return to. Here's what Colin said right after that last little bit of dialogue. want to make a difference for the party, make a difference for people, go talk to your 20 neighbors on your block. Yes. And not not the ones you know are Republicans, not your friends. Talk to the people that you've never, that you've probably lived next to for 20 years and yes. maybe you've spoken to two or three times. Yeah. You know, go knock on their door and just talk to them and see what they're about. You yeah. know, see where they work, see yeah. if they have kids, you know, and just try to understand like who they are, where they're coming from. You, know, you, you, know, you can start talking politics if you'd like, but that's that's where you make that connection. That's what people remember. There is something so practical, so powerful, and so uh, socially excellent about this piece of advice. If you want to make a difference, go talk to 20 people on your block. Listen to them. Learn about them. Engage with them. Our politics are degrading because our cul-de-sac conversations are decreasing. Our society is devolving because our neighborhoods are disconnecting. Can you take this advice this week? Can you go talk about things that matter with the real people who live around you? It used to be we would come to the quote-unquote town square or sure. whatever, or yeah. for that matter, <laughs> it used to be everybody would go to work and have a water cooler conversation. Yep. That no, doesn't exactly. happen anymore. Yep. Like, like yep. Yep. <laughs> more people like me and like you when the, yeah. when things aren't in session here. Oh, yeah. Like we work from home and, and mm-hmm. we could just sit in our home office and, you know, check social media all day. Yep. And, yep. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you, making sure that I, I go to a coffee shop every once in a while to yep. remember that there are people, in, especially in my neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think... We're both getting so isolated individually and 
so disconnected from our localities, right? Yeah. So if I am connected to people, it's with people across the country or around the world, yep. right? And I think that's the reality for a lot of people. They work from home, they never leave their house, yeah, and they're yeah. deeply connected with people on other continents. Yep. And they've never met the 20 neighbors that are right around them, yep. or they've never gone to their coffee shop, or yep. they don't know anybody at the grocery store when they go to buy groceries. Yeah. For me, those are the indicators of sort of crumbling civic world nope. that I, I think... I think that for me, that's a that's a problem. All right, Colin, yeah. as my as my state representative, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me yeah. say that like I think that's the stuff that that we need to that we need to put real emphasis into mm-hmm. rebuilding the infrastructure of civic society in yeah. in the country, right? Because there's no town hall anymore. There's no yeah. we don't all join the the JCs and then oh, the the Moose Lodge or the Rotary. Yeah, yeah, we don't exactly. that doesn't happen anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. And for that matter, like the local church is disappearing from yep. the street corners. Like there are real indicators of civic society, like, yeah. like disappearing immediately yep. right in front of our eyes, right? Yeah. And we wonder why we're all mad at each other yeah. all the time or why the, <laughs> when, when the only way we interact with each other is through angry Facebook posts, yep. none of us are happy. All right, so at this point in our interview, Colin brought up that the 1999 Columbine High School shooting was a seminal moment in his life. He's a millennial, after all, and a millennial from the southwest suburbs of Colorado has likely been shaped by that shooting in a real way. It's wild, by the way, how many times school shootings have come up on this podcast. I never really set out to do that, but this conversation keeps returning I think that's because it matters to a whole lot of people and probably because it matters to me very much. So since Colin brought it up, we dove into the issue of school shootings politically. I'll be honest, I didn't agree with everything that Colin said, but my goal in this conversation wasn't to be right. It was to engage, to listen, and to connect. I've done two other podcast episodes that have sort of focused on school shooting. Sure. One with the senior pastor of my church, Steve Pooh Spenson, who he was kind of a first responder that day in 99. And then uh, one of my most recent episodes, it's not even even out yet. It probably will be by the time this one comes out. But is a, a guy who I met who's a parent of a kid the same age as my kids. He created an app like this emergency app. This not to make money, like it's an yeah, entirely yeah. nonprofit effort, but this app to notify, for people to be able to use to notify in public shooting or other sure. like major crisis situations. And that, of course, you know, was very much driven by, you know, yeah. we, we got kids we take to these schools, right? Yeah. We, and we go to watch movies in these movie theaters and that's yep. just a yep. real part of, of life. And I think that there's something so, I didn't live out here when Columbine happened. Sure, sure. But there's something that just sort of underlines our whole community because of that event so mm-hmm. long ago, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. That fog still sits over our community in a in a strange way. Sure. In some ways, like I think brings people closer. Like it's it's still a still kind of a rally yep. point yep. In, in a in a way. But also this there is always that story. And then the STEM school shooting happens mm-hmm. not far away. Is Highlands Ranch in your district or it's not, but it's it's yeah, next door, right? Next the, door, uh, yeah. And you went to Deer Creek Middle School. There's yep. been two shootings in oh, Deer absolutely. Creek. Right? Yeah, yeah. One, one, right. Like I can't remember if it was before I was born or very close yeah. when I was born. But yeah, again, one about a decade ago. Yeah, that's right. Not long um, ago. Which you know was after I went there. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's that's been unfortunately in the most recent Deer Creek incident, there was no loss yeah. of life. But no, exactly. I mean, for me, you know, Columbine, sixth grade, 
mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Poland's sixth grade class. <laughs> and we, I remember we had to get away from the windows. Yeah. Nobody knew what was going on. I mean, we were all sixth graders and our folks had to come and pick us up from the school because they wouldn't let us out. But again, that was the first time when that had even gone into the heads of any of the parents right. or yeah. the kids. Cause before that, it's like, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then it really changed. And then, you know, that happened in April, 1999. And then September 11, 2001 happened, you know, two years later. That's right. And then the, the world was fundamentally different, that's right. you know, than it was before that. Yeah. Um, and and that was you, I mean, for you, and that's yeah. a, this is the story of millennials, right? Yeah, like yeah. That, that those were such formative moments in your formative years. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure some of that played into you seeking out politics. I'd, I'd love to learn about that. I, sure. I'd also love to say, like, mm-hmm. I think school shootings is such a, A, it's, a, I guess, a hot-button topic, but, yeah, uh, and it's become uh, partisan in some weird ways. And, no, it has, which which really, un, it's, and unfortunately, it all revolves around the gun issue, which, yeah. again, is, it's it's one of those things that is, it's unfortunate because I really do view it as there's so much good that we could do if we focus not so much on on the weapon, but on on the very real mental health needs and suicide and depression and and just the reality of, of yeah. teen years, because again, you know, I look I look back to Columbine and and you know one of the things that that frustrates me, and again, this is I'm not trying to take it in an overtly partisan way, but you know, whenever there's a, a school shooting or something, someone always they're always like, oh, well, we need to get rid of these weapons of war and these AR-15s yeah. and all that, and and every time someone talks about that, I always remember, you know, Columbine happened in the middle of a nationwide assault weapons ban. That's right. Yeah. With weapons that were illegally purchased for these people with straw buyers, with, you know, these were semi-automatic handguns and yeah. shotguns. And they were able to wreak again, it's it's no longer, unfortunately, no longer the the record for their deaths, yeah. but still by far and away yeah. in the high, you know, top, top three. They were able to wreak such havoc. And, you know, I, I always think about it in that situation. I mean, if you walk in there and you have a gunman, it doesn't matter if you have a gunman with a six-shooter revolver or if you have an AR-15. Like, you're a person in a school with terrified children with a gun. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what kind of gun you yeah. have. Um, well, for me, so you're probably full disclosure as yeah. a Democrat in yeah. your district. Like, but but in this, in, in this day and age, like... I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think here's yeah. here's here's me saying, as a as a somewhat engaged adult, let me be the first to and and who like went to a Democratic caucus. Sure, like sure. I'm, yeah. I've been a, <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. I I don't know yeah. what the right answer is. And, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know if guns are part of it or not. Probably, but I don't know yeah. to what extent. And for that matter, but I think what I hear underneath what you're saying, or yeah. let, let me interpret it in my words, and I'll let you correct me. But as soon as one of these things happens. Uh, everybody like waves the flag, like yep. get get rid of the AR-15s, as though it's like an either or situation. Like yeah. if we if we don't do this, then we can't possibly talk about all the rest of this. Yeah. What I think most people actually agree on. Yeah. I could be wrong about this, but most people I think agree on. Man, mental health care is messed up in yeah. this world. We've got rising, rapidly rising rates of, of diagnosable mental health challenges yes. with folks all across the spectrum, but especially young people. Yep, yep. I think probably most people agree about that, but like yeah. the gun issue like just sits as a roadblock to yep. any meaningful dialogue uh-huh. about, and so we've got to find some way. This is for me, I think the heart of what this podcast is about and maybe sure. what my work is about is 
I don't, I don't get how we haven't figured out how to just have the productive conversation. I mean, I do. I yeah, can look at the yeah. symptoms. I can look at, oh, for sure. You know, gerrymandering and funding, and, and yep. like I can oh, look yeah. at all yep. of that and point to it. But and all those are are big issues. They are. They, they're real big <laughs> yeah, issues. Yeah. And here we are, like two people on opposing sides of yeah. whatever election happens to be coming up next. And I don't know, like we could just talk about it, right? Like, no, like, like, for sure. I, like that. Yeah. And I think you were saying something earlier about many of the phone calls you get or many of the people that you meet with as a politician are like folks with an agenda or folks yeah. with from an advocacy group or a yep, lobbying yep. group or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at what point do just real regular people sit down and talk about real solutions in a way yeah. that, I don't know, gets the junk? I, I Genuinely, yeah, this yeah. is me like, ah. Like, no, no. And and look, I have that all the time. And and we do occasionally have those moments. But, but here's the thing for me is, again, it was strange. So this this last session we had, I think it's a pretty good juxtaposition here. So we had the red flag bill, which was enormously controversial, 100% party line vote. You yeah. know, every Republican voted against it. Every Democrat voted for it. Yeah. Around the gun issue. Yeah. Conversely, we also passed a mental health parity law that is a game changer for yeah. mental health access and coverage in the state. Yeah. And I mean, it's huge. And, you know, I'm on the public health committee and, and I did a, ton of work with the people who'd written the bill, this Mental Health Colorado group, to, you know, kind of iron out some of the rough edges because, again, it was a huge moving piece. It's going it, to it's gonna be very expensive, obviously. Yeah. But, but for me, I was like, look, like, this will do more to prevent school shootings, to help kids and all that than any of the Second Amendment debate that we could have. Yeah. Like, hands down, right here, you know, this is where we need to this is what we need to focus on. Yeah. And we got it done. And and I voted for it. It had pretty good bipartisan support. It was a little more slanted toward the D side, but there was a fair number of Republicans that supported it and, and voted for it. And the fact that that wasn't celebrated yeah. as a victory yeah. against, you know, here's something we're doing to address school shootings, address school safety. We have just, you know, made giant steps forward to get coverage, to destigmatize, you know, to improve access and awareness around mental yeah. health. Huge bill. Nobody reports on it. Yeah. Because again, like, you know, and there's and there's so many moving parts. Like, you know, it, it doesn't get people fired up. You yeah. know, nobody's sitting at their home being like, ah, you know, I'm so angry about that mental health parody That's bill. Right. You know? <laughs> That's right. yeah. And, you know, I can't believe that provision that, you know, expands coverage <laughs> and how much is that you know what I mean? But these aren't things that that upset people or, or get people riled yeah. up in the same visceral way that, that guns do. Yeah. Because guns, it's like, oh, well, either, you know, you got the Republican point of view and, oh, this is my right, this is my Second Amendment right, and yeah. this is my property, and I have this, and, and you know, here I am a law-abiding citizen, and I'm being unfairly stigmatized yeah. because, you know, somebody's used this irresponsibly. Then on the other side, you know, you have Democrats that maybe don't necessarily believe that the Second Amendment applies in the same way that, yeah. that I do. And they're saying, well, why on God's green earth do we have this, this piece of hardware that, that no one should have access to? And, and it's just, again, getting to that, it's a fundamental yeah. different understanding of the issue, but it gets people riled up. Then our conversation meandered into bullying, which was kind of a great transition right back into politics. Losing the sense of belonging that yeah. I desperately need as a young person to survive. Oh, yeah. For that matter, that I desperately need, need yeah, as, a, yeah. as a middle-aged adult but to especially survive. Especially in adolescence. Especially you know? then, yeah, right? Yeah. In, in this most vulnerable time. 
and and often a bully is just trying to find a way to belong right yeah. like, like to, oh, yeah. literally this yeah. is this is about like old school like pack mentality yeah. Like, yeah. like the way that we've evolved yep. right yep and maybe to your point in, in using the word tribal earlier to describe politics, like so is politics. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and maybe we shouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we see bullying happening in yeah. politics, you know, either way. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, that to me gets to the heart of why I think I was excited about this conversation yeah. because politicians, people who work professionally in politics feels like this abstract thing that happens at the state capitol or happens in DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's rare that People have a. I wonder is it is it often that you're able to have a conversation as state representative Colin Larson yeah. in a way that isn't about issues or parties or advocating or lobbying, but that is just about people talking to people. Do, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like I I think I say that with complete ignorance. I don't know no, what the answer sure. is, yeah. and, and I'm curious if that's a like that that makes me sad if that's real. Yeah. Well, and and I gotta tell you, it's. It's a little bit of both. So I'm a little bit of a unique breed. Like I said, I do have a lot of, and, and it's not to say that the only person has friends across the aisle, sure. but I definitely have a lot more friends across the aisle than is normal. Mm-hmm. It seems as though I tend to be more respect on the other side of the aisle as yeah. well, because I will generally go and approach people, not in the committee hearing, not on the floor, yeah. you know, where it's a spectacle yeah. and trying to score a point. But, you know, a lot of times when it's bills like mental health parity or these these smaller bills that, that don't have a partisan bent to it, yeah. I'll go over to their office and yeah. say, hey, look, you got this bill coming up and look, I think it's an important bill, but I just can't, you know, this this provision of it, like, I just can't get behind that. Yeah. Like, is there any way you can take it out? And I usually try to be a little self-deprecating. Sure. And, 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 you know, especially when I'm talking to a dem, I'd be like, look, I know I know you got 41 of you, so you can railroad me if you want. Yeah. But, you know, but look, like, this is legitimately something that I think it's important. I'd really like to be able to support it. But this provision is just so, you know, it's so beyond the pale. Either it's, you know, it's so expensive or I think it's, you know, getting into a territory that shouldn't be. Actually, there was, there was another, there's a specific bill, and I can't remember the title of it, but it was around youth youth mental health. And mm-hmm. a colleague of mine on the other side of the aisle who I ran a few bills with, who I have tremendous respect for, Daphne Michaels and Janae was the sponsor of it. It was it was around allowing, one of the, the central thing that it did was it allowed 12-year-olds to get psychotherapy yeah. without parental consent. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, and I totally understood why she wanted to do it. Because again, it was, you know, there's, there's teenagers don't want to talk to their yeah. parents and all that sort of stuff. And there was some other thing. There was, there were a lot of parts in that bill that wasn't attached to that, that I really supported. You know, there was a, there was a mental health database that would create a, a statewide resource yeah. network and, and really would have helped. And I went to her and I said, look, like, I just can't, I, I understand why you want to do this. But at the same time, like I'm the father of a two-year-old and I sit here and I think, if my daughter at the age of 12 had gone in yeah. and seen a shrink five times yeah. and then she made an attempt on her life yeah. and the first time that I hear that she's got a problem is when I'm like standing over yeah. her body in a in a yeah. hospital room and I find out there's some adult who talked to her five times about that. Yeah. I'm like, look, Daphne, to be honest with you, like, I don't know how I don't show up to that guy's house and yeah. punch him in the face. Yeah. And sue the heck out of the school district and all that. And I was like, look, I just, I understand what you're talking about, but 
but the parents need to be involved. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there's gonna be situations where you've gotta get a waiver or something like that, but this is just tilting the scale too far. And again, I talked to her and I said, look, I can, I can get behind your bill if you take that part out, yeah. but she didn't want to do it. Yeah. And again, that was fine and that was her prerogative and, and the bill passed. Yeah. But I had that relationship with her where, yeah. you know, she wasn't, she wasn't angry at me for voting against no. it, you know, and I didn't grandstand on it. I didn't like say, you know, oh, Daphne wants to rip your kids away and have, to, right. have, have the state replace your parent as a child because I, I knew that wasn't what she was doing, yeah. you know? And look, I mean, there are some other members that I'm not going to call up by name who are just doing things for partisan reasons, yeah. where they are just trying to stick it to you. And I have no time for that. Yeah. You know, I got no respect for them. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just like, it's it's sickening, frankly, to me yeah. that here we are with such tremendous opportunity to make people's lives better here in the state legislature. Yeah. There are a hundred of us. There are 5.6 million people in this state, and there are a hundred of us who get this opportunity yeah. and have this power to change people's lives. And for people to come down here and waste time on political posturing and trying to, like, gotcha, yeah. it, it sickens me. I love how this conversation was so natural and flowing. We went from bullying to politics to mental health, back to politics and a bunch of other places. But for me, the conversation kept coming back to real human connection and real problem solving. I think that's why I love this conversation so much. I've never had a good idea that has, you know, wilted from being yeah. You know, exposed to to somebody criticizing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's if it's a good idea and it's a sound policy and a sound belief and opinion, like somebody criticizing it and attacking it isn't gonna that's right. weaken it because it's good, yeah. you know? And that's how I always did. So that's why I always I always want to talk to Democrats. When I when I go to the door and somebody doesn't agree with me on something, that's actually kind of when I get excited. Yeah. Because, you know, provided they want to be civil about yeah. it. Because I'm like, Oh well, you don't you don't agree with me yeah. on you know for me like you know school choice is a huge thing. Yeah. I'm a big education reformer, so I love talking about those issues yeah. and school choice and gifted and talented programs and and dyslexia and all these sorts of things. But when someone disagrees, I'm like, oh yeah, like well, tell me why. Yeah. You know, why is this bad? Why is it a bad idea that a parent should be able to send their one kid to a GT program and send their one kid to like maybe a reading catch up program yeah. or a vocational school? Like, tell me why you think that's a bad idea. Yeah. And I want to hear. Yeah. And, you know, look, I, that's something I've been convicted on since I was in high school myself, yeah. where I opened and rolled to Littleton High School yeah. instead of Chaffield. And I haven't backed away from it. Yeah. But, you know, I always welcome the challenge and I always welcome people talking to me and yeah. telling me why they think that, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But because, you know, if I can walk away from that conversation and still be like, mm -hmm. nope, you know what? I still have the right answer, then, then that's good. I really believe that one of the things poisoning the waters of politics and religion yeah. and, and just society in general is certainty. Is, is yes. Folks believe that if they admit that they have opportunity to learn, that they're also admitting that they're wrong and that's the worst thing in the world, right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. And that's a... I, I just think that's so problematic, and it's so interesting. Yeah, like yeah. unprompted, <laughs> like you went on that whole uncertainty run. Like, sure. like at least stop and ask, like engage in the in the opposite viewpoint, and and keep trying to learn. And if it's a good idea, it's not going to wilt. Yeah. Like that's brilliant. And 
it makes me wonder, you're a young politician. You're what, 32-ish? 32, yeah. 32? Should I have hope for millennial <laughs> politicians? Should I? Should should, yeah. should the rest of us think that? Well, yeah. we'll see. But I've I mean I've looked at the generational research, and there are at least some indicators that would suggest that millennials sure. could be really good problem solvers and could be really good yeah. middle of the roaders or across the aisle of folks. That sure. uh, I don't know. Well, and you know, honestly, I hadn't I hadn't thought about putting it in generational terms because I've got a couple of. But again, some now that you mention it, I'm thinking, and. I'm not saying all the sure. the good folks on the other side of the aisle are millennials, <laughs> but some of the some of the ones that are more reasonable and and that I can have these kind of frank and candid conversations about are the younger members. Yeah. And again, I'm actually it's funny at 32 you'd think I'd be like the youngest member, but I'm actually the fourth youngest really? in the legislator. Yeah, I'm the youngest Republican, but there are three Democrats. There actually used to be four Democrats that were younger than me. One of them resigned just after the session, but. But it's a pretty young legislature. Yeah. But yeah, come to think of it, I mean, there really are. But there are, no, don't, don't get me wrong, because, you know, some of the, one of the best folks on the other side of the aisle, I would say, is, is in his 50s. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, maybe it is, maybe it is a millennial thing yeah. where, you know, maybe we're just a little more, I don't want to say humble necessarily, but, but willing to entertain the idea sure. that, you know, we don't have the right answer. At this point, I'm going to fast forward through the conversation a bit. Colin and I were digging deep into the nuances of a state budgeting process. We were talking about how to balance the desire to fund issues like services for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, increased compensation for public defenders, and supporting students with intense individual education plans. It was kind of wonky, but I love the conversation because it was diving into the nuts and bolts of what much of politics comes down to, money. There's a limited pot of public money and an unlimited amount of problems to try to solve with it. State politics is primarily the debate over how to divide up that pie. As we started to wrap up our conversation, Colin came back to this really cool experience he had with another politician from the other party. In fact, this experience was with the person who actually ran against him in his most recent campaign. Listen to the authenticity in Colin's voice here. I'm so grateful that State Representative Larson invited me into his office, spent two hours with me for no benefit to him, and he truly allowed himself to be open to connection. But before we dove into this story from Colin, we nerded out about my favorite TV show. I say all the time, I was like, look, if every single representative had to go through the same thing I went through, had to go through a competitive primary where they had to knock on that many doors and talk to that many people, we'd have a radically different legislative agenda. Especially as the challenger in the primary, like coming up against somebody who'd been around for a while, sure, right? Yeah. That that you you're forced to find out the reality on the ground because that's yeah. the only that's the only tool you have. Right? Yep. The only yep. tool you have is getting inside the real I don't know, like I'm uh, Colin, I'm, I'm genuinely. I'm not. I'm not just saying this because we're being recorded right now. But like, <laughs> I'm inspired by that. I'm a. Uh, I'm a. Like I'm a. I'm a West Wing junkie. Like I don't. Yeah. Know oh, I love West Wing. Wing. It's my favorite. So the uh, like I am like a. Uh, <laughs> I am obsessed with the show in a, in a way yeah. that like it romanticizes yes, politics. Absolutely. Right? Party aside, like it is a it is this romantic view of the way that yes. we would govern one another. Uh, should it should it be the way it was uh, uh, oh, a yeah. West Wing in the '90s, right? And I. 
I don't know, just the conversation that we're having like makes me think like, oh, like they're they're real people like this. They're, like yeah. you you seem that way. I, yeah. that's, this is me <laughs> giving you a real compliment. Like, well, like yeah. I am, uh, man. I didn't I didn't know what this conversation would be like. I sure. didn't know. I brought all the baggage that, that one could bring about <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know talking with a politician, especially one from sure. the other side of the aisle. Yeah. Not that that was really what this was going to be about, but I don't know. Like, I thought there would be a moment in our conversation where I'd be like, "Can you stop talking in in talking points?" Right? Like, yeah, like yeah, can, yeah. can we? Yeah. And that's not who you are. And, and no. what no. I hope is that 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 represents so many other politicians yeah. that I've never talked to and that I've just yeah. stereotyped or put in a bucket. Right? Like, <laughs> anyway. no, dude, yeah. Well, and and again, we'll see. It's you know. It's funny you bring up the West Wing because, again, huge fan of the show. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the the future of the political party will be whether you're a House of Cards <laughs> politician or a West Wing politician. That is so real. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So no, and I had never thought of it that way. But no, exactly. And and I appreciated that that exact same thing. It's it's I'm an optimist, and like it's that aspirational. Yeah. You know, I would rather live in a world. I know it's never going to be perfect, but. It's always like I look at I look at the arc of history and I'm like, we live in a this is the best time to be a human being and yeah. be alive in history. Yeah. And you know what? Like, yeah, is there a bunch of stuff that's wrong? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'd much rather be alive now than in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Than even in the, you know, even my parents. I would talk, you know, talking about the divisive nature of politics. Talk to my dad, who's in his early sixties. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what was politics like for you? And he's like, Well, you know, when I was there, they Shot one president in the head. That's they right. were assassinating a bunch of other political leaders. They yeah. were killing kids on college campuses. Yeah. There were literal riots and violent burnings, you know, over racial issues, over the draft, yeah. and all these other things. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. you know, I've never had to deal with anything close to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In my life. Yeah. And and look, like I can look here and say, oh, well, things are so bad and so divisive and all this stuff. But I look back and I was like. Really, are they? Or is this just what I'm experiencing? Yeah. And in the same way that, you know, when my dad was a kid, draft dodging and Kent State shootings and yeah. assassinations, like that's what he was dealing with. And that was divisive. They had the same divisive issues, frankly, probably worse than we have it now. Yeah. It's just that, you know, the goalpost has moved. That's right. And, you know, thank God we don't have Jim Crow laws anymore. Yeah. But we don't have these abject, horrible injustices slapping us in the face every day of segregation in the South. So now we've moved on. So something has to take its place. Yeah. And it's still bad, but it's not nearly as bad as that. Yeah. And um, we still have work to do. And, and yeah, yeah. the only way we can <laughs> fix it is doing something yeah, about yeah. it, right? Like, yeah. I think we can shout about it or we can be angry about it. And that's, that for me is, I don't know, like, <laughs> it doesn't, uh, that's, that's our only option is yeah. to engage. Yeah. That, that feels like the only option. Yeah. And I've but said was, before, like, I don't blame people for yelling, for shouting right now, no, for, for being sure. mad. Like, yeah. I don't blame them at all, but. Like that, that can't, uh, that ain't going to do the trick. Like yeah, yeah. We've, we've got to move past it at some yeah. point. Well, and that's what I look at, you know, and again, I got a, I had a two-year-old, so, you know, nothing puts per, the world yeah. in perspective like a kiddo. But I look at it and I was like, look, I, I am legitimately optimistic in spite of all the stuff that's going on now and all the divisiveness. I was like, look, you know what? At the end of the day, chances are 30 years from now, I'm going to have a conversation with my daughter, the same that my dad had with me yeah. about all the horrible things. Yeah. How bad stuff was in the yeah. 2000 and you know yeah. the 2010s and 20s, and she's going to be like, "Wow, yeah, I thought things were bad now, yeah. but you had to deal with that, that, yeah. and that." And look, that's great. I mean, in in a way, it's <laughs> like I'm I'm optimistic about it because again, like, yeah, things are bad, and yeah, there's always issues to focus on, but 
but I just think, I really do think it's, it's incrementally things are getting better. And, you know, in spite of the moment, you know, it's so hard to take yourself out of that moment. Yeah. But, but in spite of the moment, I think that things will be better. And I hope they are. And I would love to, again, would love to get to that idealized world of the West Wing, perhaps mm-hmm. with a Republican instead of Democrat, Jeb Bartlett, but still like that idealized world of where people are really, you know, where it really are, yeah. are these, you know, high-minded debates about things. I don't know that we'll ever get there perfectly, but then we get closer. And, you know, yeah. in, at the end of the day, I don't know. I'm, like I said, I'm a young man and maybe I'm out in two years. Maybe I just serve out my state house term and in eight years and I'm done. Maybe I go to federal Congress, maybe I'm governor, like who knows, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, I'd like to look back at it and be like, look, I had an opportunity to do something. Yeah. I made a change for people, yeah. you know, whether that was a huge change and I have my portrait hanging in the in the Capitol yeah. or that I got a couple bills done and, and it really mattered up. to like, some it, people. And you showed yeah, up, yeah. Like, like, and you showed up with good intentions. Yeah, and you showed yeah. up because you wanted to make a change. Yeah. By the way, don't ever forget that uh, President Walken uh, in season three of uh, the West Wing, yeah, I could yeah. be getting that wrong, but yeah, John, John Goodman, Goodman. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yep. He's a Republican yeah, president briefly, on the West Wing. Yeah, it yeah. happened. No, it's true, it's true. It happened, very all right. That was yeah, me nerding yeah. out for a second. I appreciate that you got <laughs> no, the reference. No, no, oh, absolutely. John Goodman's good stuff. We just sat down and we had these, and every once in a while we talked about issues where we clearly were like, yep, right. yeah, totally on the other yeah. side. But but more often than not, we're just like, look, he's a, he's a genuinely good guy. Yeah. We, we both like single malt scotches, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. We both want to do right by the community, and yeah. we we you know don't take ourselves too seriously, and we joke around, and just like a, again, you know, someone I would be, I'm glad to be friends with, and yeah. glad to spend time with. Maybe I don't love his politics, but that's not the most important thing in life, you know, right. at the end of the day. Yeah. And and he always knows, and he did, took advantage of it a couple of times during the session. You can always call me up, yep. you know, and one time where one of my more infamous votes that I've got the most press for was I was one of the two Republicans to vote to ban gay conversion therapy. Oh, yeah. And he... Is, you were is t- there were two Republicans who voted to ban gay conversion... Yes, ban conversion therapy. Yeah. And you were one of the only two. It was one of the two, well, yeah, in the House. Like, there were three in the Senate as yeah, well. Okay. But it, it originally ended in the House yeah. and everything, so that was where all the press was. And, yeah. uh, I was one of the ones that, that did that. And and I had a, I've had a long history with that issue, just with personal friends sure. and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and it really is a generational issue. And I said as much in the Denver Post article that yeah. the first time I've been on the front page of the Denver hey, Post. Congratulations. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, he had reached out to me about that, and, and I honestly didn't know. I wrestled with that vote a lot, yeah. you know, because, I mean, obviously, politically, there's yeah. a lot of Ramifications baggage. Yeah. 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 Um, but I talked to him and, and my friends and the people I grew up with, and you know, ultimately came around and I was like, look, I just, I got to do this. Yeah. And frankly, I, I always view it in libertarian ways of yeah. like, look, you know, I, we're the part Republican Party is party of personal liberty. Yeah. And like, I take that seriously. Yeah. And it's not just about me being able to do what I think is right for my family and my personal choices, but I have to extend that same courtesy to someone that I might not necessarily agree with sure. what they're doing, but they have every right to live their life the way they want to live it. Yeah. Um, so so I was able to couch it in that way. But, you know, he called me up on it and he was the first person, literally like moments after we'd taken the vote in committee. Yeah. He texted me, 
which meant a lot to me. You know, that's really cool, little, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a little little teary eyed up, but just that like he was paying attention to what I was doing. It yeah. was like I don't know four o'clock on an afternoon, yeah. some random, you know. But he texted me, and I was like, oh, that's podcast center. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, that's seriously that, that, that yeah. is a yeah. If you put those pieces together, this yeah, is the yeah. guy you ran against. This is the guy. No, that, no, exactly. Yeah, and. Like that that is just like good people recognizing good people and, no, I mean, and saying yeah. as much, right? And, like oh. and he knew and he was like, I know that was probably pretty painful yeah. for you. And yeah, it was. Yeah. Um but you know, it was the right thing to do and, and he just shot that shot that text over. So but That's it's cool. good. And it's one of those things that I guess most people don't have with their their yeah. opponents. Opponent, I'm sure <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colinforcolorado.com is where you can learn more about Colin Larson. That's C-O-L-I-N-F-O-R, Colorado.com. Colin Larson, state representative Colin Larson, sure, Republican Colin Larson, but like human being and my neighbor Colin Larson and and somebody who I think cares very much, in fact, I know cares very much about solving the very real problems in our world. And and I, and I, I when I left this conversation absolutely believing and being thrilled with was that I had found a real-life politician in today's real world who seemed far more interested in in connecting and creating solutions than in finding reasons for us to be divided in grandstanding and in trying to make the news. I don't know. Maybe this is what real politics looks like. Maybe the stuff that we read about on our social media feeds and the things that make the headlines and the news and the things that I think embarrass a whole lot of today's Americans about politics, maybe those aren't what's really happening most of the time with most of the people. Maybe the future of politics in our society looks like this. Two people sitting down in a room and talking, really talking, finding connection, finding trust. And that trust being the foundation upon which we might be able to build the solutions of the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People People Podcast. Thanks for being out there. Thanks for following us on social media at Social Excellence. There's no E in our social media handles. Uh, thanks for thanks for checking us out at peoplepeoplepodcast.com or social-excellence.com. Thanks for giving us some some five-star ratings out there on the iTunes, on the Spotify, on the on the other places where you can find us, Google Play and and Stitcher, man, we're all over the place. The People People podcast is all over the place, mostly because you are sharing us. You're sharing sharing the idea of the People People podcast with the people on your social media feeds, with your neighbors, in real-life conversations maybe even. Thanks for listening to us, and thanks for being a supporter. Most importantly, thanks for being a People People. Thanks for being the, the folks who are out there spreading the message of social excellence and spreading human connection and changing the world because of it. Hey, this is Matt Matson, your host, and I hope I get to connect with you in real life soon. I hope we get to shake your hand, have a conversation, build a relationship. Maybe we'll find a reason to collaborate, and who knows? Maybe we'll organize some people together to change the world because that is how it's done. Stay social. Stay excellent. I'll see you out there, everybody.